the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's four o'clock on Wednesday. We're over the hump. The Wednesday edition of Southern California Live on KKLA, KPRZ. I'm Bob Lapine. Thanks for tuning in this afternoon. We've had quite a ride. You're never, never sure where the ride is going to take you when you start off on a Wednesday afternoon and you're you just, I mean, we've talked about everything from crab legs and quesadillas to uh, cheesecake and Korean barbecue. We've talked about Bible engagement, the fact that Bible engagement is declining in America, the fact that uh, there are ways to improve your understanding of the Bible. There are ways to grow. Uh, we, We didn't mention Bible studies to get in. We didn't mention organizations like Bible Study Fellowship or other there are online Bible studies you can take. There are way, if, if the desire is there, there are ways to grow in your understanding. We, whether it's podcasts or listening to KKLA all day, these are ways that your Bible knowledge and understanding can grow and to increase. We've been taking your calls at 888-52-TALKS. Lines are open at 888-528-2557. Talking about your spiritual disciplines, meditation, memorization, engagement with the Bible. Jerome's on the line with us. He's been, he's been hanging on waiting from here in LA. Jerome, welcome to Southern California Live. Thank you. Thank you. Love what you do. Love all your programs. Okay. So for me, it's spiritual diet. And just like you eat every day, you eat three days, three times a day or whatever. I had to develop that because of some very powerful life, um, events in my life and the things that we're going through in the world right now should keep should actually make you run to it because for me i just don't have the peace i lose it i lose the peace if i don't have it every day with the news and everything going on all around the world so the first thing i do when my alarm clock gets goes off i pray and then i go downstairs and get right in my bible and then i start praying again before i get to the bible and i ask god to uh, open my mind so I can hear what you are trying to tell me today. Hmm. And I go from there, you know, and then when I get to work, I listen to you guys. I listen to Christian radio <laughs> pretty much all day until I get off work. I put the earbuds in my ear. I work for a high school. I work with teenagers. That'll keep you praying, if nothing else. <laughs> you know, uh, so you yeah. know, I work with teenagers, so trust me, you know. So, you know, just looking at the state of the world and where they're headed. So, yeah, definitely spiritual diet is everything. So I get to pray for kids all day. I work with some kids who are really bad places. Kids are trying to take their life. You know, I found my spiritual gift 12 years ago, and it changed my whole life. So I Tell me about that. What, what did you find that, uh, that was life-changing in terms of your spiritual gift? So I worked at a high school. I worked at high school. So I was working at this high school called Chatsworth High School here in California. And I love working with kids, you know, and I had a few kids for detention. I'm a gardener for the school district. So, you know, I had a few kids, you know, and then they all they all get mad because they have detention with me and they got to do gardening. So I came with these questions. You know, what do you, what did you do? How do you feel now? How, what, what is your best next step? 
from there, I stopped nine kids from committing suicide. I prayed about it. I said, God, use me wherever you want. Then I stopped three girls from being kidnapped from the high school. And I said, okay. I just looked up in the sky and said, okay, I get it. <laughs> and then again, I saved the girl's life who was dying on a, foot, on a, on a softball field with wow. no real reason to be there. I mean, I, it was absolutely no reason for me to be there other than the spirit bugging me to go look at something that just huh. kept, that just kept bothering me. So I look, I find this girl and she's, she's dying of alcohol poisoning, you know? Oh. And, um, doctor said, if it wasn't for me, she, she wouldn't even be here. Wow. So I, I decided to join the teen ministry at my church, found out half the teen ministries at my school already. <laughs> so I had a ministry for four, for about six years. So I run to the Bible. I had stage four cancer, you know, and God has me here. And I just connected all the dots, man. It's spiritual diet. And let life events lead you. Let your pain lead you. That Bible will open up. It will change your whole life. Because now you see him working with you. So let me ask you, people hear you say your alarm clock goes off and the first thing you do is you pray. So is that, is that 30 seconds? Is that five minutes? What do you pray? Just for somebody who has never had this as their, their kind of life experience, what do you do when the alarm goes off? Well, you know, I thank him for another day and I thank him for the opportunity to just be better, just to be a little better than yesterday. Help me to be just a little better than yesterday. And I kind of focus on the sins that, you know, I dealt with yesterday because I want to be better today. I want to do a little better this, this, this day. So I'm already working on trying to be better for the day. And that's pretty much what gets me started. You know, what you're doing, Colossians chapter 3 says that we are to set our mind on the things that are above. And when, when you wake up in the morning, you have an opportunity. All of us have an opportunity to set our mind on on what we're gonna, what our mindset is gonna be for the day. And you're choosing at the very start of your day. You've built it in as a routine, as a habit, to set your mind on spiritual things, eternal things, priorities, God's priorities for your life, rather than your to do list. I think that's so helpful and so important. And I think that that acknowledgement at the start of the day, Lord, this is your day. I am your child. I want to do your work today. I want you to work in me and through me. I, I, I just think that's powerful. And you've found that to be powerful in your own life. Yeah, because it takes the responsibility off of me trying to figure out my day. My day is already in God's hands. So I just take it as it comes. I don't, you know, I, I, it's not me, it's him. So yeah. whenever weirdness happens, I'm saying, okay, God, it happened. I know you got it. I mean, you know, not going to let me affect it. I'm just going to keep moving. You know, you are a, uh, you are a kingdom missionary where, where God has planted you. And I think all of us can be, we, wherever God has us, we can be on his agenda and his plan for the day. And Jerome, I'm, I got to tell you, your call is a great encouragement to me. I think to all of us who are listening and a great reminder to all of us that whatever your day is going to include, if you started off in the right direction with the right focus, you have no idea what God has for you today to, to help you uh, grow as his child, but also to help to, to use you and work through you in the lives of others. Thanks for your call this afternoon. So encouraging 
888-52-TALKS is the number to call, 888-528-2557. I want to, uh, I read an article today uh, written by Samuel James. Samuel's a, he's a book publisher. And his article talks about something that just as I read through this and as I was praying about it, I was thinking, I think I think there's there's something here that we ought to talk about. The, the title of the article and it's online it's called How to Renew a Decadent Evangelical Culture. Now when you the, the word decadent let me just start off with that word cuz you know we we often if we're going to use that word these days we're usually talking about a dessert of of some kind, right? Oh man, that dessert was decadent. Well, I mean, we're we're trying to say that it was over the top or it was special in some way. Decadent, the root word of decadent is decay. So when you say something is decadent, what you mean is that it's in the process of decaying. Um, decadent is not typically thought of as a good thing. It means it's it's decaying. And maybe when we talk about dessert being decadent, what we mean is it's, it's eroding our, our good dietary habits. But in this article, I read the headline, how to renew a decadent evangelical culture. And I asked myself the question, is that true? And maybe another word we ought to talk about is evangelical, because that's a word some of you who are listening have given up on that word. You know, back, uh, 10, 15, 20 years ago, the word evangelical was a a word that meant that you are somebody who believes the Bible. You're somebody, well, there's actually, there's a, there's a formula for, uh, for what makes somebody an evangelical for what kind of, what are the, the, the core ideas. There's a guy named David Bebbington, who a number of years ago came up with his definition of what makes somebody an evangelical? And this, is, this has come to be known as the Bebbington quadrilateral. Don't let, that, don't let that quadrilateral, four things. These four things are what make you an evangelical. Biblicism, you believe that the Bible is essential spiritual truth, authoritative, infallible, inerrant. Evangelicals have a high view of the Bible. Evangelicals also have what he called crucicentrism. What all that means is cruci means cross. We have a focus on the importance of the cross, the atoning work of Christ. What Jesus did on the cross is significant. It matters. It's the heart of biblical Christianity. Not everybody reads the Bible with that perspective. A lot of people read the Bible as an inspiring book that has wisdom for living. Well, that's not what's at the heart of it. The heart of it is the cross and the resurrection, the gospel. That's what evangelicals believe. So a high view of the scriptures, a cross-centered view of of, uh, God's word. The third thing that makes you an evangelical is conversionism, the idea that Human beings need to be changed. We need to be converted. We, we need to have a, a spiritual renewal, a spiritual conversion. Again, not everybody believes that. 
people who believe the Bible, people who are evangelicals believe that men and women are sinful, and we need to have someone rescue us from our sin. We need to be changed, transformed uh, from who we were to, to become new creatures in Christ. High view of the Bible, cross-centered, resurrection-centered, and then this conversionism. And then the last thing is what's called activism, and that is the idea that we, our faith needs to be active. It needs to be expressed in effort. It's not just something where we check the boxes and we're done, but we share our faith with others. We grow in our faith. We are pursuing godliness, righteousness, holiness, the, the sanctification process. If, if, if those four things are things that you're nodding your head and saying, amen, amen, then, then you're an evangelical. Now, that word has fallen out of favor with a lot of people because Honestly, uh, when evangelical Christians, uh, through a lot of support behind former President Trump's candidacy back in 2016, there were a lot of younger Christians who saw the word evangelical as coming to mean uh, Republican Trump supporters. And so they said, I'm not going to use that word to describe me. The, the media so often was talking about, you know, evangelicals are a key voting block here, and it's evangelical support for Donald Trump. That uh, So we kept hearing evangelicalism tied to Donald Trump. Well, there's nothing about the word evangelical that has a political connotation. It's about how we view the Bible. So whether a lot of evangelicals put their support behind Donald Trump or not, that's not what makes you an evangelical. There were a lot of people who supported President Trump who were not evangelicals, and there were evangelicals who did not support President Trump. But admittedly, a lot of conservative Christians put their support behind Donald Trump, and that caused others to say, I'm giving up on the word evangelical. I, one of those people was Lecrae, the the. Uh, the rap or hip-hop artist, others who have said, I'm not going to call myself an evangelical anymore. I, if people ask me, no, that's, that's not the word. Well, I'd go back to the original definition. Do you have a high view of Scripture? Do you have a cross-centered view of the gospel? Do you see the need for men to be converted? And are you active with your faith in terms of pursuing godliness, holiness, righteousness, and sharing your faith with others? that if if you're saying yes to that by definition then you're an evangelical at least by one definition so now back to samuel james article how to renew a decadent evangelical culture so his his thesis is that conservative i would say biblical christianity evangelical christianity is decaying and this fits in with what we've been talking about this afternoon. Bible reading is on the decline. Church attendance is on the decline. The number of younger people who are uh, describing themselves as non-religious, atheist, or agnostic is increasing. If, if America has had an evangelical culture that's been a part of our lives over the last 50, 60 years, um, it's eroding at some level. And that's what this author is, is talking about. He says, over the past few years, it's been difficult for me to avoid thinking that decadence 
accurately, accurately describes many elements of contemporary evangelicalism. And that in, in some ways we're too distracted for revival, that our decadence, we're, we're too focused on, we have not set our minds on things above, but we've set our minds on the things on earth. That's what's keeping us distracted. Samuel James goes on to say, while evangelical churches are certainly discipling and evangelizing with spirit-filled power throughout America and throughout the world, the feeling among many major evangelical institutions and groups has been increasing frustration and uncertainty. Because the church has been pressed in multiple directions by crises unthinkable a decade ago, Here's his thesis. A distressing number of evangelical pastors are leaving the ministry or thinking strongly about it. Evangelical culture is declining, maybe even decaying. The last two years in particular have been punishing on many evangelicals. An unprecedented global pandemic has permanently reshaped economies, cultures all around the world, and the intersection of the pandemic along with the presidential election in 2020 created an almost indescribable number of complexities for the church and for evangelical groups trying to chart a way forward. All the while, secular culture continues pressing on the very nature and identity of the church through spiritual malformative technologies. That is, the increase in technology is not helping form us as strong spiritual beings. Increased attacks on religious liberty and rising resentment and distrust of Christians in a fractured public square. I was uh, I was alive in the late 60s and early 70s when the Jesus movement happened. Some of you went through it here in Southern California. It was there God did a work and Southern California was one of the places where we were people all over the country were hearing about God's work among people whose lives were being radically transformed through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. At that point we would have said evangelical culture is is burgeoning. It's it's growing. It's healthy. It's strong. It's vibrant. Something new is happening. Now we feel like we're on the other side of that, and we're watching it start to pull back. Some of us have kids or grandkids who aren't interested in spiritual things, who don't think it matters. There's a decline going on. The author of this article says there are extraordinarily difficult challenges facing us, but they are challenges that evangelicals have the resources to answer. And yet he says it's difficult for us to feel energized or hopeful about the evangelical efforts to answer them so far. In many cases in the evangelical world, our response to a fractured secular age has been to present a fractured church culture. 
What does he mean by that? Well, there are signs that unbelievers have become weary of the sexual revolution and dissatisfied with moral relativism. That should be exciting for us as the church, and yet too many who have been a part of the church are capitulating to the culture on sexual ethics. So now we have division between elite evangelicals and the grassroots, between woke evangelicals and anti-woke evangelicals, against nationalist evangelicals and cosmopolitan evangelicals. You combine this dynamic with the string of high-profile evangelical scandals, and you get a troublingly clear picture of an evangelical theological culture that seems too weak, too preoccupied, and too decadent to truly wield a lampstand. You know, a light needs to be set on a lampstand. To be clear, he says, God doesn't need evangelicalism to thrive or to even exist. If it's the hidden will of God that our evangelical institutions and seminaries and churches should languish in decadence and perpetuity until they become a historical footnote in the kingdom of Christ, then we have to say the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. We could see the decline happening, and there may be, it may be irreversible. It could be God's judgment is coming on us. But our task as Christians is never to discern the hidden will of the Lord, but to remain faithful with the resources we have in the generation he's placed us. Decadence is not faithfulness. It means we have to do what we can to push back against darkness and to turn against the trend We have to think carefully and wisely about what evangelical renewal ought to look like. And so what can we be doing? What are the most important things that Christians can be doing in this culture today to to help stem the tide of decay? Again, it's, it's the Lord's doing, it's up to him, but what can we be actively doing to try to, to breach the erosion that's happening? Is, is there a strategy? Love to hear your thoughts. We'll talk more about this uh, after, as we continue this afternoon. The number to call is 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557. Uh, w- would love to hear your thoughts on this, and we'll take your calls as the Wednesday edition of Southern California Live continues. Southern California Live, Wednesday afternoon. I'm Bob Lapine. 888-52-TALKS is the number, 888-528-2557. You can also email us at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. We've been talking this afternoon about uh, the, the decline in Bible reading in, in our culture, and that led us to a, a conversation about the decline in church going, the decline in spiritual life. It's something we see happening around us. We're aware of it. And, and the question is, can, is there anything we can do to push back? And I, I mentioned this article by Samuel James that I think is worth reviewing. It's called How to Renew a Decadent Evangelical Culture. And again, part of the diagnosis is, 
is that there's decay happening in evangelical life. We, we are not making gospel inroads. We're not seeing revival happen. We're not seeing spiritual renewal breaking forth. In fact, we're seeing erosion at the edges, and especially with a younger generation. What can we do? First of all, do you agree with that diagnosis? I'm guessing if you are uh, 50, 60, 70 years old and you've got kids or grandkids, you're seeing that maybe among your own kids or grandkids, certainly among their peers. That's what all of the data points to. What does it take for there to be a turnaround? How can we stem the tide of decay? Well, Samuel James in the article suggests that one, he says, one major symptom of what he's referring to as evangelical decadence is, listen to this, the energetic policing of other theological tribes rather than the confident forward movement in building up one's own institutions and culture. What's he mean by that? Well, he means that we're spending a lot of time and energy uh, with intramural disputes over in, in what are really secondary small things, a lot of squabbling, a lot of disputing, and, and we're spending more time in the disputes than we are in presenting a clear gospel-formed vision for what God's plan for life is supposed to look like. I'll give you an example. In the, the current discussion that is happening all across the country about critical race theory, which, by the way, I've, we've talked about it on this program, critical race theory, uh, a, as it's presented today in a lot of schools, in a lot of workplaces, does not jibe with what the Scripture teaches us. The whole idea of breaking people down into classes of victims and oppressors, the whole idea that your 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 ethnicity, your racial background is is your identity, and if if you're one race, there's nothing you can do about it. You're you're going to be an oppressor default, and you just need to let go of power. I mean, there's a lot that we can deconstruct about about critical race theory, which I think is a poison. But are we spending so much time addressing the rise of critical race theory in corporate America, in public schools, explaining what's wrong with critical race theory? But, but do we need to be spending more time explaining what's right with God's design for humanity? Where are the leading voices who are stepping forward and saying, Look, look, God's design is that all men and women are created with equal value and worth. And that needs to be lifted up and exalted. And all human beings, regardless of race or class or gender or ethnicity, all of, all of us have equal value and dignity before God. And, and we need to create a vision of that in our world that is so glorious that people say, that's what I believe. That's what I want to follow. 
he says, instead of presenting a, a confident uh, declaration of, of who we are and what we're for, we're spending too much time keeping, keeping up with nonsense on the extreme left or looking at the things that ex-evangelicals publish. Have you heard that term, ex-evangelicals? I grew up in the church. I reject it now. They publish their stuff, and we feel like we've got to jump all over that. You know, maybe in some cases we just need to let it go and start talking about a vision of what God has for us. 888-52-TALKS is the number. That's just one of his thoughts. I'd love your thoughts. 888-528-2557. Mary is joining us this afternoon from San Diego. Mary, thanks for calling. I'm here. Hello. I got you. Can you hear me? Yeah. Go ahead. You're on the air. Well, I wanted to say, um, in regards to what you're saying about evangelicals, um, I have seen people falling away, and I realized how important it is to stay focused on the Lord read the Word, live for the Lord every day. You know, it, it's a relationship. It's it's every day, 24-7, 365. You know, it's not, you know, go to church once a week and all that religious stuff. It's a relationship, and a lot of people lose focus on that, and that's why they fall away and they get misled and deceived, and there's been so much stuff going on. That's why we need to stay focused on the Lord and his word and live for him and follow that. You're, you're saying we treat, or a lot of people treat their their faith as, as something that's secondary or something that is n- not that significant. And as a result, uh, when, when, when we don't stay focused, when we don't stay disciplined and diligent in cultivating our relationship with the Lord— it's easy for our spiritual foundation to erode. Yes. So exactly. what, do you, what, do you, what do you do to maintain your focus on the Lord and to stay focused on his word, Mary? Uh, well, read the word. Um, do a lot of praying, which I've been doing lately with all that's going on. Yeah. Um, uh, I go to a really good church, which is Shadow Mountain. Yes. Which is just great. You know, that's all that's preached is the Word, and it's just a very strong church. So I encourage anyone who needs a good, strong church to go to, go to Shadow Mountain or find one that's like that, because that is so key to being a Christian, is having a place to go to that is focused on the Word and the truth of the Word. But, you know, I'm so glad you— yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I'm watching people who would today say that regular church going means, oh, I go, uh, you know, at, at least twice a month. And I think, man, I, I don't know how you, I don't know how you deal with life. We need community. We need, we need to sit under the preaching of God's word. We need to be involved in corporate worship. And, and I, I want to say, because some of you who are listening, it's been a while since you've been to church. And you got used to watching it online and it got comfortable or other things have crowded it out, or you got the kids soccer stuff or whatever. Look, we got to get back together and be together. If, if we're going to, 
for our own sake, but also for the sake of of what the church needs to do and to be. Mary, I, I agree with you. Thank you for calling. Vaughn is with us uh, from here in L.A. Vaughn, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi, how are you today? Good, how are you? I'm a blessed man. I'm calling yes. because, you know, there are so many things that are in the scriptures that the average established um, church, Christian church, is not touching. Number one, we need to get away from this this um, concept of church the way we have it. I love something you said earlier about we need community. That is more the premise of what the scriptures is coming from. We've been adapting to something that I think comes out of pro- the Protestant remo- um, movement, where, you know, Catholicism, you know, it was pretty much worship was centered on a building and rituals and all these kinds of things. And then, of course, the Protestants broke away and took all that with them, you know, and so they still had a lot of Catholicism among them. The problem is that as long as church is just something that you, even you're talking about the people that watch it, but even people that in our regular church-going tradition is just we see each other maybe once, maybe twice a week if it's, um, you know, uh, you know, for Bible study or this sort of thing. And the other thing we need to break down is these whole things concerning racism. There's no such thing as other races. It's very clear in Acts 17, 26, that God created all the nations from one blood. And I don't hear anyone talking about those things that divide us, black man, white man. What is this foolishness? And, you know, and if you look at all of our colors, none of us are the colors that we're labeled. And so these are things that God is requiring that people repent of immediately because these heresies have caused us. Now we can't, if a Caucasian guy and, a, and, and an African-American person was to get up and say, hey, you know, we're brothers, <laughs> that's a big joke. No, we're literally blood brothers. We come from Adam. <laughs> and yet this whole thing of race and this sort of thing is a distraction because every heresy is distraction. And we need to spend time with all of the things that the tenets of the false gospel that is being preached. You know, to bow your head and ask Jesus Christ to come in your heart, be your Lord and Savior, and now you're saved. No repentance, no conversion, no transformation, no born again. And what does that really mean? Mm-hmm. So many things we're missing right now. And God said, my presence is not coming among you until you guys master my word. Mm-hmm. You keep being deceived and distracted by the serpent. Once again. You know what, Vaughn? You and I are brothers. Amen. Amen. I mean, there we go. We're 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 uh, from the same. We are we are Adams. Uh, we are Adams' children. You and you and me both. I I love that, and I think you're right about us being distracted. I think the importance of community is significant. I I, I would just say, well, I'd, I'd say first of all, participation in corporate worship and in in sitting under the preaching of God's word. I think that's essential, but I don't think it's yes, sufficient. And and so I think we got to do yeah. that. And I would say I, I use the word participation because there's a difference between going to church or watching church on TV and participating in corporate worship and in sitting under the preaching of God's word. So I hope that our, our listeners, when I talk about getting back to church, I, I would say you need to get back as a participant. And then community has got to be an essential part of what you do with that. Vaughn, thank you for your call. 888-52-TALKS is the number. Don, if you can hang on, we got to take a quick break. We'll get to your call and other calls uh, after we take this time out as the Wednesday edition of Southern California Live continues.
Southern California Live on a Wednesday afternoon. I'm Bob Lapine. 888-52-TALKS is our number, 888-528-2557. We're talking about decline and decay within the evangelical church, about the decline that's evident in Bible reading in our, in our, among evangelicals, about the decline in church going, about the decline in personal spiritual disciplines. Don has been very patient on the line with us in Newport Beach this afternoon. Don, thanks for calling. Hey, happy Wednesday, Bob. You too. So I'm I'm just thinking about the the body of Christ has has so many parts, and those moving parts, you know, when the Holy Spirit grabs you, activates you, teaches you in the Word, and then gives you a place in the body where you're ministering to others, you're practicing your gifts, you know, you're practicing your gifts, and that just keeps the Church so healthy. Hmm. Uh, it's, it's, it's one of the ways it seems like the Lord keeps the, the wheels moving. You, it's almost like, like an example would be like a Church that would have a... a a night of evangelism, and then that feeds into a Sunday where they get taught a deeper sense of the Word. So I think the body having so many parts, it seems like the body just needs to realign itself with the gifts that God has given it and get back to work. Yeah, You know, I think you make a great point. I'm thinking of 1 Corinthians 12 and the passages that talk about uh, us being members of one body and having different gifts and the fact that we need each other and we need to work together. And and in that illustration, in that metaphor, the last two years with what's happened with COVID, there has been some atrophy to our spiritual muscles in the body of Christ. And I'm, I'm still, I, I talk about it this way as a pastor, there are still people who need to come out of hibernation who have been in hibernation for too long, they've gotten comfortable sleeping in the cave and it's time for them to get back up. And, and so I think for every listener to ask the question, first of all, do I know what my spiritual gift is? Because you, if you know Christ, you have one. And then secondly, am I actively using that spiritual gift today, this week? How, what can I point to to say, here's how I've been using my spiritual gift this week for the good of, of the church, for the good of the body? And if you don't have an answer, if there, you can't identify what you're doing to, to utilize your spiritual gift, that there could be atrophy that's set in. You, you need to get those muscles working again for your sake, but for all of our sake. The body can't be strong if all members aren't doing what they're supposed to do. And I, I think you make a great point. And I think it's time for, for some of us who have been maybe on the sidelines. We weren't, we weren't on the sidelines two plus years ago. We were involved. We were volunteering, helping out at church, doing ministry, sharing our faith. And then all of a sudden we get sidelined with COVID and we kind of get into this, well, I guess I just need to stay home and wear a mask and not do and, the, the body can't function like that. The, the church body can't function like that. Don, that's a great insight. Anything else you want to add? Well, then just thinking about the friends and family that I that I have, I'm I'm seeing kind of a trend where um, 
the marriage and divorce situation, it's it's awfully hard to maintain a credible witness mm. when you're not taking your vows seriously in your in your and maybe this is only talking to a specific portion of people out there, but it's an important portion of people because not only do they need to take the vow seriously in their marriage um, for their families, but there's a lot of unmarried people out there that are watching that witness and seeing that incredible witness, and that witness is supposed to emulate that that picture between between Jesus and, and his bride. His church, that's, that's right. That's the example that's out there. And so Maybe we're maybe it is a back to basic thought that I have. Maybe it's a little bit oversimplistic, and there's a lot of other um, situations out there that God is working in people's lives on. But here in my little world, just getting back to work is me talking to me now, not to you, Bob, or to the others. But getting back to work on, hey, here's what the Lord is has asked me to be doing uh, for Him. I get to get back to that. And kind of shame on me for letting COVID be really some cheap excuse for this long. I mean, it's hmm. it's time. So I just want to part with encouraging men out there. It's okay to get back into your Bibles, guys. It's okay to to fall in love with Jesus again. It's it's okay to be to be vulnerable again in the Word and to learn something new and not to take for granted that. You know all of the stories and all of the background that you've, that you've been in for so many years, or maybe that it's just come to you audibly. But that real relationship with Jesus, men, let me just encourage you, pick up your Bible, pick it up on your own, pick it up with your wife, pick it up with your kids. And I promise you, whatever we lack from there on out, the Lord's going to plug you in and... He's going to take care of it through these strong people. And that's just my part today, Bob. Now, that's a great word, and and I appreciate your calling. And, of course, anybody who knows me knows that uh, the issue of marriage and marital fidelity is something that has been on my heart for many years, and, and it's where my focus was for so many years working at Family Life. I wrote a book two years ago called Love Like You Mean It. That's a book that's all about how we love one another effectively and well in in a marriage relationship and and i think a lot of people have let the weeds grow up in the marital garden and it's time to get out there and and pull some of those weeds and get your marriage healthy again so it can be the picture that god intends for it to be i've got a book coming out this fall called build a stronger marriage that's all about trying to help couples identify what are the the trouble spots or the weaknesses that show up often in a marriage? How do we identify those, and what do we do with those when we have those kinds of issues in our marriage? Thank you for your call, Don. Uh, Renee is on the line from Compton. Renee, thanks for calling. Yes, thank you, Don, very much. Um, I just wanted to say that, unfortunately, the people who really, really, really love Jesus with a personal relationship cannot get a platform. Unfortunately, Christianity has become commercialized with, it reminds me of Eli and his sons, where they were taking the sacrifice and, you know, the Lord said, they despise me. So we have these generations in the same family line taking uh, reigns of the pulpit 
and it's a commercial gain and not a personal uh, relationship with Jesus Christ, and because they are hirelings, they are giving bubblegum messages and not the Word of God. In prayers these days, over the pulpit, you cannot hear in that prayer message saying, Lord, forgive us of our sins. Hmm. And so this, we have dumbed down the Word of God straight from the pulpit. I have heard over the last month things that are just totally heretical and apostasy coming from the pulpit, such as, it's not a sin problem, it's a belief problem. Well, even the demons believe and tremble, and they don't ask for forgiveness, the demons don't. But people must, so how is it a belief problem? The people who love Christ don't have a platform because church has become commercialized. And I'm so upset about it. I heard over the pulpit just here recently that the reason why Jesus was eating the bitter herbs and not a lamb was because he is the lamb. You know, I'm like, Lord Jesus, help us. Help our community. Help us to put people in place that love you and will spread, thus saith the Lord. We are living in Amos chapter 8, verses 11 and 12, where there is a famine of the word right now. Yeah, Renee, I appreciate your call, and I I do think that there are a lot of pulpits that have gone soft, a lot of pulpits that are pursuing uh, popularity with the world, a lot of pulpits where we try to be attractive to the world rather than uh, to be committed to the Lord. Now, I'm grateful for faithful, godly pastors and preachers who are faithful to the Word. I know they're there, and I hope people will make sure that that's where you're going uh, for for church. That's where you, where you're hearing the Word of God powerfully and faithfully proclaimed. I think that's vital. I think that's incredible, and 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 necessary. But I would just say, in terms of uh, needing a platform, every one of us has a platform. You have a platform with friends, family, relatives, with people you're engaged with. You have a platform at work. You have a platform with your neighbors. We need to be seizing that platform and being a, a, a grace-filled witness to the truth of God's Word and let our light shine before men so that they will see our good works and glorify our Father who is in heaven. Lots of good thoughts this afternoon, lots of good conversation. We'll be back to do it all again tomorrow at 3 o'clock. Hope you'll be here with us as well for the Thursday edition of Southern California Live. We'll see you then. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.